Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. We've had so many Disney at Play podcasts recently with the advent of not only the 50th celebration for Walt Disney World, but the new Genie program and so many things coming out and happening. I felt like this was a good time to stop, drop, and do a Disney at Work podcast which offers you insights to Disney that you can apply back to your own organization, to your own work experience, to your own life. Recently, I had an opportunity to do a date night with my wife at Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World. Orlando has many choices where to dine. In fact, it's interesting because just yesterday, Michelin, um, the... Uh, tire, French tire dealer, which does these remarkable um, restaurant reviews and are so well known, has announced that they are going to do a version for the state of Florida. And that is going to propel so many things forward. But at any rate, um, there are lots of pretty good choices where to dine for a date night here in central florida but um and i don't do food reviews of places to eat but when we choose to eat a table service at walt disney world we are looking for a dining experience not just a place to eat this review is not a food review it is a review of the dining experience that experience was one of the poorest i have ever had at walt disney world more than just sharing my love-hate relationship about this place, I want to suggest ways in which we can learn from that experience in serving customers in our own organization. So stay tuned to this channel as we present how Primetime Cafe becomes well, a little bit more like Catastrophe Canyon. Uh, by the way, you'll want to check out DisneyAtWork.com. You can subscribe to that site as well as DisneyAtPlay.com it's going to uh, give you a sense of um, what this dining experience, this restaurant and everything like it is all about. If by chance you are not familiar with Primetime Cafe at Disney's Hollywood Studios, this is actually one of the original restaurants in this park. And it is a unique, unique dining experience, unlike just about any just to, I'll read a little bit of Birnbaum, just to give you a context if you're not familiar. The setting is straight out of the favorite sitcoms of the 1950s. Each of the plastic laminate kitchen tables is set under a pull-down lamp, and the idea is to evoke a suburban kitchenette. Video screens all around the room show black and white clips, all related to food, from favorite 1950s TV comedies, and these nostalgic bits are visible from each of the 226 seats. The placemats pose television trivia questions um, and meals are served either on Fiesta wear plates or t TV dinner style on three compartment trays. I haven't seen those in a long time, but at one point they did have that. The waitresses play mom with considerable enthusiasm. They make recommendations and encourage guests to clean their plates or no dessert. They also have um, other roles that you play. Some play brother or sister or sibling or an aunt or an uncle. But the idea is that you're having kind of this 
family meal. Um, usually the meal is something of comfort food and it, um, and it's usually harkens back to more traditional meals. In fact, I find it really interesting because Steakhouse 51 has actually harkened back to a similar kind of menu. Salisbury steak is on the menu there at um, Steakhouse 50, uh, uh, 71. I think I said 51, 71 over at Disney's Contemporary Resort. So it's um, previous in the old days used to receive um, a GAF Viewmaster reel um, and Viewmaster, and you would actually view the dessert options off the Viewmaster reel. That hasn't been around in a while. And honestly, I've come and gone. I have a long history with Primetime Cafe, and it has been a few years since I've been there. Um, there but let's talk first about my dining experience recently. It was a date night on, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and actually we were using the reservation app. We were able to secure a table at Primetime Cafe in less than an hour. The wait when we checked in was only five or 10 minutes once we visited the podium. So all of that was really good, very reasonable. I have sat indoors during the pandemic. I don't have problem with that. And I don't think um, so going into this. In fact, it probably wasn't even on my mind when I made the reservation. And in fact, I will also say that on day one, when Walt Disney World reopened after its initial months dealing with the pandemic, I did an indoor dining review from Skipper's Canteen. I don't have a problem per se with that. Um, but I should mention, this was a couple of months ago, I um, a few months ago, when actually the pandemic was a, a lot more heightened here in Central Florida. Now, you're probably wondering why, why you waited so long to do this, partly because there's been so many other things to cover, partly because I've kind of wanted to take my emotion out of this experience and to kind of be able to reflect on it a little bit more. Um, but at any rate, you need to have the context that at that time, even though numbers have gone down considerably, they were a lot higher at that point. Um, we were seated in a corner next to a very large and loud table. I would say there were probably seven people at that table. They had taken packages from the day and had kind of put it off towards um, one corner near our table. Um, they were kind of cutting off our seating. There was still room for two of us to sit there, but you could, but you were ending up facing kind of toward a wall because of the seats available. Um, it did offer me some viewpoints kind of through the shelving of another portion of the restaurant, which was fairly empty. And it also allowed me a view of the actual area where um, you kind of, the indoor check-in area of the, um, of the restaurant where they handle table seating. And all of this is affecting um, the story as we, as we move forward. We, um, not, not seconds before we are seated at the table, our server, 
a, a gentleman greeted us by slamming silverware and napkins in a metal metal rack tray on our table. Um, he stated that we had to set the table by ourselves. Now, I'm familiar with Primetime Cafe, and I understand that, you know, people play these roles of mom or brother or sister or aunt or uncle or, you know, grandparent, whatever it may be. So I get that, and I'm not... Uh, I'm not unfamiliar with doing a little bit of improv myself. So, um, so, but I was very taken back by the noise of the silverware being literally thrown on our table. Um, and then him saying, hey, you gotta go set the table by yourself. So surprisingly, I, I retorted very quickly, hey bro, mom said you had to set the table. Well, that, got a response from the other table of seven. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, they were kind of surprised how quickly I responded. It was in, in this fairly humorous, and they kind of all chuckled as to the response. He then asked if we had visited before. Um, I said yes, but it had been a while, which was true. Um, in truth, my history is a little deeper with this restaurant, but I'll come back to that. I don't think it mattered. As long as he was providing a great service, I don't think there was an issue here. He took our order about five minutes after we were seated, which was pretty timely. Still, most of his attention was poured on the larger crowd at the adjacent table. They took a lot of his attention and um, and they enjoyed his form of banter with them. So he was he was he was connecting with the other table. But the other table was very much occupying our the whole space. It was just, we were kind of uh, a little table to this bigger um, party going on. Uh, finally, we called out to him. Um, and this was a few minutes after we, he had given us, a, um, he'd taken our order. And quietly, we asked if we might be able to switch with another table that was empty on the other side of the restaurant. I could see through the shelves, it had been sitting there empty. He quickly fired back out of character and ranted about all the things he had to do as a server, from things like running credit cards, to cleaning tables, to handling special requests. It was an awkward moment after he spoke. He really just, he just like, it just, came spilling out of him. Um, uh, it was an awkward moment after he spoke. And um, at this moment, he was no longer playing the older sibling role, but rather the part of a disengaged employee. I broke up the awkwardness, assuring him, hey, I know you could do it, bro. You can make it happen. He stated, I'll ask but I can't promise you anything. Then nothing happened for the next eight to 10 minutes until our dinner was set before us by another server. Meanwhile, I'm still looking. I see that he's gone to the, to the counter to talk to them, but it seemed like a very short interchange. And I'm also noticing the table in the next adjoining area and it's sitting empty. There's a table there and there's nobody occupying it. This is about, by the way, it's about eight, 
it's after eight o'clock in the evening. So it's a later evening and um, the park still had another hour before it closed, I think. Something like that. Um, three minutes later, um, after the food was given to us, he showed up to refill the water, volunteered that he had asked, but said it couldn't happen. Again, the table was still empty after all this time, but it was filled about seven, eight minutes later after he told us this. The food was very good, was great. Um, there is a difference between good and great, though great food may still not have redeemed this experience. The server never gave me eye contact from this moment on, but frankly and honestly, he really couldn't because he couldn't stand anywhere where he could see me directly. I was having to sit kind of um, at a T to him. And so either I had to completely turn around to give him eye contact, which would have required me to look right up to him. It was just a very awkward space that we were given. We were in a very tight space. We're part of this larger party. Anything we said was being spilled over to this other table. Um, at a time where, honestly, they were doing a pretty good job of separating tables out somewhat um, because of the pandemic. But we were tightly thrown into this little uh, corner. Um, what was disappointing is I really wanted a, a PB&J shake. It's a peanut butter and jelly shake. I'm not a big peanut butter and jelly fan. But I really love this shake and it's my highlight. I was trying to figure out whether I wanted it as part of my dinner or part of my dessert. But at this point, it was such an awkward experience. We were so confined in this area. Um, I just didn't want to order the shake at that point, which means I left money on the table. Um, and the whole of it made my experience all the more disappointing. Um, I accidentally left my wallet at home, so my wife used her um, business card we have to pay the bill. I would have still paid the tip um, if I had written this. I always pay a tip, but I'm telling you, I probably would have written a few words on the back of the invoice. I was not happy with how he, his timing, how he addressed us, how he greeted us in the first place. Every, there was very little in this exchange on his part that was of any merit. Um, when he saw that the credit card was my Performance Journeys card, which is the um, host company that, that provides this podcast, he asked what I did for a living right toward the end as he was finishing out the bill. He probably thought the word performance was associated with theater or something, or that maybe he we were shopping the restaurant or so forth. I never felt the server really understood why we might have asked for another table, which honestly, given the pandemic, was a very reasonable request at the time. Nor did I really feel the server truly advocated for us in getting a table. His demeanor in total left me feeling I was imposing on his time, on his work experience, and so forth. So all in all, we left very disappointed by the experience. Um, 
I probably would have said something to management on my way out, except it was date night, and that was not going to make my date night a good one. So, and, and it was about my wife, and that's why I wanted to go do that experience to begin with. Now, I have to talk about another time and place. Um, when I was with the Disney Institute, we had the opportunity of taking guests behind the scenes at the Tower of Terror and doing a tour with um, a tremendous um, cast member, TJ Wallard, who headed it up. And it was this um, blow yourself away. Even if you didn't ride the ride, you were still blown away by, by the quality of the, the attention to detail on everything that happens in that attraction and ride and by the people who host that attraction, particularly TJ. You can't help but be incredibly impressed. Now, I had in my experience at Disney Institute with the business professional programs, most of the program programming was being delivered in a hotel ballroom. And I felt like to make, to really understand the Disney customer experience, you had to be out there. So what I did is I took my budget I said, let's have breakfast out there. And so we made arrangements to, um, to do Tower of Terror and then to do breakfast at Primetime Cafe. Now, breakfast is not served at Primetime Cafe, but we were one of the first um, breakfasts ever served at Primetime Cafe. I mean, this was a, we started this programming and so twice, two or three times a month, we would come and, um, and do this event and they would serve breakfast. Um, Tower Terror utilizes what's known as performance theming. And performance theming is basically helping your cast members understand that you're part of the show and so what would be appropriate to the delivery of that part of the show. Now that has come under a little bit of scrutiny from time to time as kind of a union issue because if you get too much into a role type thing, then you actually kind of start bleeding into actors' equity and and those kinds of roles, and so it it's it's an invitation to do it, but you can't mandate, you can't script it too uh, too heavy. Um, but actually, performance theming is not only just a part of Tower of Terror; it's kind of a part of Primetime Cafe, especially if the cast members are coming you know, from a role of playing mom or dad or, you know, brother and sister. When we piloted the Primetime Cafe um, back then and did breakfast, we used the cast members there and it was a disaster. For some reason, they thought, I don't know why I stand out, but they thought that, that they pick on me. And I ended up standing in a corner with a dime on my nose, they thought this was really funny. I don't know what was funny. And I have to admit, um, maybe I'm just coming from my own family experiences of being somewhat bullied by my older brothers. And I had several of them. And so maybe this was just, I'm just not, I just haven't had enough therapy from that experience perhaps, but, but still, every time I have come to primetime cafe it is been this kind of bullying older sibling role 
um, or a sarcastic family member of some sort. And I just keep wondering, do all cast members come from dysfunctional families? Is this the only, you know, is this the only um, uh, way they can relate to doing this role? It's just, it's gotten kind of, kind of crazy. Now with The Breakfast at, at Disney Institute, we ended up using an actress at full union scale. And we had her come in. Oh my gosh, she had this incredibly cute, uh, fun 50s dress on. And she played mom. And I tell you, she just, 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 just was, uh, it, it was like the mom from Leva to Beaver. She was just so full of pleasantries and fun. And, and she was just so delightful and pleasant. And it was, the effect was stellar. She was a comedy improv actress who knew the subtleties of reading an audience. She was better than WandaVision, though um, that would have been interesting as well, by the way, if you could kind of move to Primetime Cafe to a WandaVision experience. I think that would be very cool. Um, but the challenge has always been, where do cast members receive feedback, training, feedback, and coaching on their performance? Now, I know that's always been provided in training provided by T.J. Wallard and others at at the Hollywood Tower Hotel. Um, but I just wonder um, how, and, and I love their, their approach. Their approach has always been to provide this sort of slightly demented look. It's not something born out of Universal Horror Nights. It has this just friendly, you know, bellhop kind of service, but sort of demented. It, it's never scream in your face. It's never kind of scary or spooky, you know, and go boo. You know, it's just, but this is the challenge for Primetime Cafe and probably why it will be a long time because actually there's so much I love about this restaurant. It's why I have a love-hate relationship with this restaurant. Let's let's summarize it by what I refer to as the four Ps. The place, the process, the product, and the people. First, the place is this stellar design job. They have created a 50s kitchen, which I remember as a young child. It is one of the most creative dining venues ever put together. It's put together in a way that almost every kitchen stands apart from each other. Um, it, it's a very clever uh, use of design space. You've got the TVs at the head of every table or in some location where most people can see it from any view in the room. It is a, and, and it's, it, it's started by um, a little lounge area that acts like a living room um, where they provide um, a bar there. It's just a very clever place. That's one of the reasons why I love to come to this uh, location because it's, it's so cleverly designed. And that to me matters. In a dining experience, I can eat anywhere in Orlando. And your food is probably not going to make or break the deal because there's so many choices. I've done the dining experience. I've eaten with extended work experiences in New York and in DC and in Los Angeles. I've done fine dining. 
I really love something unique and unusual, and that's what Primetime Cafe offers. So that's the place. It's a big thumbs up. Now process. Process are those policies, procedures, rules, um, and so forth. It was great getting a reservation only an hour before. Being able to click on now on the dining reservation while you're there and be able to get something, that was cool. That was a great process. It's a new process when you're in the parks. If you're looking to go do something um, fun and nice, click now and see what choices you have. That's a very cool thing. Still, if the process for receiving, receiving your guests isn't in place, or if management doesn't make it easy and possible for a server to receive their guests, then you may be setting up your server for failure. I am not blaming the server entirely for my experience. I would say the fact that they chose to use that, put us at that table, which is not a server decision. It is made by the host. That is a management who where everybody sits in the restaurant was a management experience design. And, um, and in a post-COVID world, maybe it might have worked, but in, in this situation, it was not working at all. And I think that sets up your server for failure. Product. It's a very good product. Not a great one, but one that distinguishes itself from others enough to be worth visiting. Now, um, uh, the homecoming restaurant at Disney Springs, they essentially have the same meal. It's that homemade biscuits and that kind of thing. Um, I feel like, and it's probably represented by the lack of that GAF Viewmaster, I feel like it's been trimmed considerably from its, its more glory days. Consistently, it just doesn't deliver. Um, if you think about it, um, the, 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 the people who defined a great chicken dinner, which is what I had, and boy, there was a lot of chicken, but a lot of chicken doesn't mean a great chicken. Um, Mrs. Knott's Chicken Dinner Restaurant defined that. Disney replicated it with the Plaza Inn, which is also a very good dining experience with a very good, very, very good um, chicken meal. Um, but it just doesn't quite seem, uh, there wasn't much in terms of mashed potatoes. I don't even remember what the vegetable was. It, it lacked to some degree. Also part of the product is the entertainment in terms of the TVs. If I only had a partial view of TV in the background, that would have been okay. Um, but I couldn't hear any sound. Um, for some reason, again, that table was not placed in an appropriate place. Um, it made it difficult to see anything. You couldn't see your server. You couldn't see a TV. Um, and by the way, I think it would be great if moments of WandaVision were somewhat spliced into that. I think that would give a kind of a new, fresh experience there. Now, I've covered place. I've covered the process. I've covered the product. By the way, the product includes the peanut butter and jelly shake. But because I was having such a disappointing experience on other fronts, I ended up not having it. I think it's a fantastic item, but it was disappointing again that I didn't get it. 
people this is the most inconsistent ingredient to the this restaurant's success i have to admit it's a complex situation where people need to be carefully screened to play that role as a server in that restaurant and then they need to be thoroughly taught on how to read their customers and provide a stellar experience i don't sense this is happening in formal let alone informal ways at that restaurant i i, I don't i i'm not that hard to read you could read me pretty well because i'm pretty transparent and that server just I think the server actually could read me. I don't think the server had the skill set or the support from management to address my concerns and and create a great meal experience. If we'd been reseated, we would have had dessert, and with that dessert, I would have had the peanut butter and jelly shake. Not that I needed the calories, but I needed to have a great experience. Now, with every Disney at Work podcast, we offer free souvenirs for your organization. So here are some concepts and ideas you can adapt to your own customer service delivery. First, what is the role your customers expects, expect you to play? Is being professional and looking professional a role? If so, what does that role look like to your customer? Being professional is a role. And if that's the role, then what does it look like and you need to deliver to that? exceed in delivering. Next, how can you deliver that expected role in a consistent and polished manner? How is formal and informal training supporting your ability to deliver that role? Next, how can poor performance end up leaving money on the table? How can you measure that or get feedback on it? Fourth, what does a dysfunctional relationship, customer relationship look like? How would you stay away from such in customer and client relationships? Next, what kind of words or statements take you out of being in the role your customer expects? Next, when you're laughing or having fun with someone, or let me rephrase that, when are you laughing or having fun with someone? And when are you laughing or having fun at someone's expense? To that, I'll add, how sure are you that your form of humor and or sarcasm is going to be well accepted by someone else, in particular, your customer? And finally, how comfortable can you be in a casual relationship with someone you've never met before? Where do you draw the line on being too casual or familial? Again, this is not just ideas for even a restaurant or being a server in a restaurant. These are ideas to anybody's role, whether you're a UPS driver or whether you are on a call center or whether you um, deal in construction and handle big time clients, wherever you are in business, you need to ask what is your role and are you playing the right role and are you delivering the role your customer expects of you? Well, that is our Disney at Work podcast. We thank you for listening and joining us today. We appreciate your patronage and your friendship. A couple of things, in addition to the podcast channel um, you listen to, please visit disneyatwork.com, disneyatplay.com, subscribe to the website. If you like what we have to offer, please visit 
iTunes and offer us a favorable rating, even a review. This helps notify others of what we have to offer. If you like videos not just of Walt Disney World, but of parks throughout the world, visit J. Jeff Kober on YouTube and subscribe there. Better yet, join the Wayfinder Society. If you like these best in business ideas, then our Patreon group will give you access to all sorts of insights and guides in terms of how to deliver better customer service, provide great leadership, build your team at work. We have a unique site, go check it out. You have free uh, apps you can take a look at and that gives you a sense of, that gives you an opportunity to support this podcast that we provide. Thanks for being part of DisneyAtWork.com as well as Disney at Play. And remember, wherever you are in life, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.